Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Back in on the Gabe Coon Show, 92.9 FM ESPN. And joining me as is customary on a Wednesday, that would be Ty Richardson. Uh, co-host of the Morning Rush, 6 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday at ESPN Arkansas. He's on X at Ty Sports Radio. Ty, how uh, how are you doing? How are you doing? Gabe, I'm good, man. There's finally some uh, happiness awaiting this weekend because Arkansas is in a bye week. I'm not going to be bummed, disappointed, and uh, just in down in the dumps. Luckily, I'll have other football to watch that I don't have my heart and soul invested in. So the best way to keep yourself from being sad is avoidance. That's what I'm hearing. Just not yes. not having a game. Very much so with this team. <laughs> not in years past, but this team, yes, unfortunately. Um, well, let, holler at me, man. Arkansas with six straight losses. I Offensively, I just don't get it. I don't get how they just couldn't do a damn thing. And I know offensive line has been a struggle all year, but you, you figured – Going into this season with with KJ and Rocket, it was going to be different. But you have it, it has led Sam Pittman, that Arkansas staff, to have a uh, have a switch up. Danny knows out, and it looks like Kenny Guyton is going to take over as the interim OC. I, I he clearly wasn't getting through to the guys like uh, Kendall Bryles was um, over a few year span, but. Um, I don't think there's any easy answers to what this offense needs to get done for the rest of the year. Anything, right? I mean, they haven't done anything this year. You were at one point last year inside the top 15 total offense this year's team. I think it's like 118. So it is night and day. And they got a block, like you're saying. I mean, they're, they, it's it's very easy to blame the offensive line. KJ's missed throws and reads. Yep. Running backs haven't hit the hole in the right spot. Wide receivers aren't getting open. It is a cohesive unit that has saying they've underperformed is the most mild response yep. I think I could give the rest of the interview. What what was Sam Pittman's sort of messaging when he when he made this decision and talked to the press? It was it was it just he, you know, Dan could not get through to this offense the way Kendall did? I think it was I mean you you've played for coaches before the for whatever reason it just didn't click. Like you just didn't want to run through a wall for him. And then there's other coaches that you would not maybe give your life for, but pr- come pretty close. Right. And for this offense, Gabe, it sure seemed like that they did not want to fight for Danny Nose in um, in a variety of different ways. Even the last game against Mississippi State, no energy. I mean, they mustered a, an entire three points the whole game. So I think that's a big issue. That's what he said. And also just think the stuff that they were doing in practice that they practiced didn't necessarily – uh, translate to games where they didn't run certain things in games. It was a combination of a bunch of things. Yeah, the firing of Dan Enos, though, usually like when you look at, at coaching staffs, um, this is a head coach sort of making someone pay for the issues that have, have plagued a team. And I think Dan Enos is going to bear the brunt. He's gonna he's the guy who gets fired in the process when you uh, when you look at the struggles of this Arkansas offense. You have said, I think you said a few weeks ago, amid this losing streak, that you still don't think Sam Pittman will get fired unless there is a loss to Florida International down the stretch of the season, unless they lose out. Do you still stand by that? 
Like, do you still yeah, think I Sam's do. relatively safe? Yeah, I do, Gabe. And these are subject to change, as we know, based on other circumstances. But I, I think, I mean, you're about as you are putting your life in the hands of certain individuals sometimes that you don't want to have to do if you only win that one game. If you go 3-9, and nine, that would give you an 0-8 record in the Southeastern Conference and one other conference loss to BYU. So just don't do that, right? Get at least two wins down the stretch. At that point, you're, you're not going to get fired. You'll go stay on staff. You get, you get three. There's at least some uh, positivity headed into this season. You get four somehow, so when you're going to a bowl game, which I don't think anyone listening thinks that's going to happen, and rightfully so. That's where I'm standing right now, but unless they just start let go in the rope and get demolished, I I still think he could stay with, with three losses and one win in this remaining four-game stretch. Yeah, but, I mean, when you get into next year, though, I mean, especially with Texas and Oklahoma getting added to the fold, like, eh, eh, that seat is going to be flaming. That seat is going to be incredibly hot, even if he makes it through this season. Oh, I don't think there's any question. And Texas comes into Fayetteville next year to Donald W. Reynolds Racetrack State. They've got a great home schedule. They're welcoming Ole Miss, LSU, Tennessee, and Texas next right. season. The road schedule is just going to Starkville, going to Auburn, going to Dallas to take on Texas A&M, and going to Missouri. So it's not a daunting road schedule either. In fact, the SEC kind of did Arkansas a favor in the first year adding Oklahoma and Texas. But I just don't know if the Razorbacks are going to be able to take advantage of it. Just like I've been so frustrated in the fact that the SEC West is the worst it's been in a while, with no dominant team. There's a lot of decent to good teams, but no one that you're just terrified of playing. Even though Alabama's pulled it out to this point, yep. I still see them slipping up, uh, potentially gets LSU next weekend. Yeah, but if they get through LSU, they, I mean, uh, that should be a, a relatively fast track to the uh, SEC championship, right? I know Auburn can get tricky, especially, I mean, dealing with them at Auburn, but it feels like they could be on a fast track to the SEC championship and have a chance to save their, their playoff hopes. Yeah, I would think so, but Hugh Freeze knows how to beat Nick Saban, and Auburn knows <laughs> right. how to beat Alabama, especially yeah. in the Iron Bowl, especially in Jordan-Air Stadium, a place that I've had the, uh, the benefit of going, and it's a great place. I like that campus, and I would love to see them pull the upset Thanksgiving weekend. Now, let me ask you this. That Alabama-Tennessee game, Alabama, that second half, 24 to nothing. Uh, Tennessee just, uh, I mean, the first half, I thought Joe Milton played probably his best half of football this year. Second half, not so much. Did you learn more about Alabama, or did you learn more about Tennessee in that game? I think we knew about Tennessee being inconsistent based on what we had seen, and Alabama's got some testinal fortitude, Gabe. I mean, they have shown it several times. Um, in this uh, in this season, particularly in the second half. So I think it's just unfortunately something that SEC teams thought they weren't going to have to deal with this year, and they're having to deal with them now. We're in such a strange spot in college football. And, and I, I, I bring that up because I don't know if there's that dominant team that I – I mean, Michigan, yes, but they haven't played a damn soul, right? They're going to have their toughest test coming up. They're going to have Penn State. Then they're going to have to deal with Ohio State. But is there any team that just like that, that that sticks out? Is I mean, is Michigan that team? Well, people are pushing the McCarthy Heisman because no one's really stood out to this point. A lot of teams have lost. Ewers has got the AC joint sprain or whatever. So uh, Williams, of course, lost to Utah again. I Oklahoma just played that. a really close game with UCF. They looked. Yeah. Very, I mean, and UCF just ran the most ridiculous double pass play on that two point conversion that didn't get through the failed two point conversion. 
he'd love to have that one back. But right. no, I don't know if you can necessarily say there's a, a real dominant team at this point, but I keep coming at that's great. Like, I don't like the idea before season, well, it's Alabama or Georgia or Clemson or whoever or Ohio State. I like the idea of, hey, what's going to happen this year? I think that's intriguing for college football fans and viewerships and maybe some teams, maybe a team that we are not even looking at right now through this point of the season comes out of the woodwork or is close, but we just haven't necessarily considered them a playoff team just yet. And I think that's great, man, because I'm – listen, I'm all for – some blue bloods in the college football playoff, but I'd like to see a, a team. And when when I say like a a non blue blood, I'm not talking about necessarily like a group of five or a team that um, doesn't play in a power five league. I'm talking about a team that we didn't initially expect to see there at that point. Like if Colorado somehow, some way, yeah. kept this win streak going, that would have been awesome for college football. Just like TCU last year, that was great. I mean, you had this team that just kept finding ways to win. And even against Michigan in the semifinal games, unbelievable. So that's what I liked about last year a little bit, and I'm hoping we see it even in postseason this year like we saw in the past NCAA tournament. Yeah, now um, one team that we thought could uh, sort of be a dark horse was Penn State. No dice. No dice at all. Ohio State got over top. Um, I'm not necessarily bought into Ohio State. I thought in that game, Marvin Harrison Jr., um, being that he caught for 160-some-odd yards and a TD, and, and um, Penn State had no answer for him. I thought he was the difference in that game because it was a defensive battle, and Penn State didn't have the uh, guy on the other side that could match Marvin Harrison Jr.'s juice. But at the same time, I just – I mean, this is James Franklin MO, James Franklin's M.O., isn't it? I mean, this is the big games. He seems to come up short. I, I, I get tired. I grow tired of – the discussions about – because they did this with Jim Harbaugh for a long time, and we'll get to him in the sign-sealing scandal in a second. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I grow tired of people saying somebody should be fired when they win 10, 11 games a year and they get to big bowl games, and I think James Franklin gets a little bit of that. I'm not buying into that because I think it's hard to get over top of Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten. But at some point, this guy's going to have to win a big game, and he falls short seemingly every single time he gets the chance. Yeah, on the road, right? Because in Happy Valley, I mean, they'd be in Ohio State. I think they'd be in Michigan. They've got them this year. I forget what week that game is. But, I mean, Michigan's still got to go through. I don't think that'll be a wideout game. I think that'll be that 11 o'clock Fox noon kickoff game, if yep. I guess. But, um, I mean, that, and that's a, that is a, a fair characterization of Franklin. And it's a bummer because if Penn State got to the playoff, I think that would just be awesome for the Big Ten and really college football to see another team kind of into the fold. I know Howard didn't have a great game. And, I mean, Kyle McCord and that Ohio State offense isn't exactly uh, lighting the world on fire either, but their defense is unbelievable. And Penn State had a, a solid defensive outing against Ohio State too. They just you, – you framed it perfectly. They didn't have a Marvin Harrison that they can rely on. I mean, that dude is just – junior is different. I mean, yes. he is just – He's the best water receiver in college football. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. There's no comparison. And regardless, I mean, we saw last year even against Georgia, like there's no opponent in college football that can really keep him down. I would double, if I was a defensive coordinator, I would double team him the entire game. I don't care if anyone else beats me. Uh, McCord is not Stroud. He's not um, JT Barrett. He's not one of the better quarterbacks Ohio State's in the last decade or so. So I'm double teaming Marvin Harrison, triple team in some cases. Yeah. And, Taking my chances with everyone else. Well, but then until Mecca Buka comes back, then I don't know if you want to you want to leave him in a one on one situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's just and, and that's something that like people who who may not know the ins and outs of, of college football as a whole. That guy Brian Hartline, that wide receiver coach at Ohio State, is the best in the game. And what he's been able to do, if Ryan Day ever stepped away, I think that would be the obvious guy to take over at Ohio State. No, I think so. I mean, I I remember him as a wide receiver at Ohio State, and he was just a really yep solid, good college wide receiver. And now, like you're saying, and I know Alabama ha- has had a slew of great wide receivers, LSU also, but if I'm a wide receiver, and I'm whether I'm California, Texas, Florida, Georgia. Doesn't matter, nationally. Pick a, yeah, I'm going, if I have my choice, if I'm my brothers, I'm going to Columbus, Ohio. And I know that there's going to be, and I know McCord again hasn't necessarily been in the same uh narrative as some of the other quarterbacks I just listed earlier that play in scarlet and white and scarlet and silver. But typically, again, that's a place that there's always a great quarterback. They're always throwing the football. And there's a reason they keep getting five stars in there. Hardline's doing his job and not just doing a job. He's like, as you said, the best in all of college football at his position. Mm -hmm. Now talking with Ty Richardson at Ty Sports Radio on X. Now let's talk about their uh, rival in the hot water they're in right this second with the uh, sign-stealing scandal. Good old Connor Stallions buying a bunch of tickets to games that he's he's technically not supposed to be at in the Big Ten, and uh, there's college football playoff opponents, potential opponents, that, that he was scouting as well in person. I have given my takes on this, so I'm going to keep this as neutral as possible. What... Where does this land on scandals in college football to you or in college athletics or just in, in, in sports in general? Like, is this a big deal or a relatively small deal to you when you look at what's going on at Michigan? It's a rule, right? right? It is a rule that you're not supposed to, as a staffer, buy tickets or go to games or film games on the campus or another a neutral side, whatever, for another opponent. Now, of course, I mean you can scout during the course of your own game and stuff like that. You get film that's sent to you. I mean, you know about more about that process than anyone did right. um, as, a, as a former player that watched all this stuff. Um, it is a rule. It's a bigger deal because it's Michigan and Harbaugh. Um, but to me, like anyone could go to a game, flip out their iPhone, and record the sidelines and record what's going on um, that doesn't even have to be affiliated with the school per se. And so I think it's really hard to police all this. I don't think that Harbaugh and them are the only ones to do this, mm-hmm. but it just looks bad because it's big blue, because it's one of the more polarizing coaches in all of college football. You just had that recent recruiting scandal, which he was in the wrong and lied to the NCAA about that. So you parlay those things and just his flamboyant nature 
That's why I think people are more upset than they would be if, say, Eastern Michigan yeah. was not doing this. I mean, hell, if this was at Purdue, it would it would not be front page news. We would not be reporting on it with the same vigor that we're reporting on it. I, and here's the thing: is I've said this a million times. I think in games or going to a game, um, in person scouting, if you will, that's done at every damn level besides college football because of that rule. And I just that rule was a money saving rule. And I get he's in the wrong, and, and there there could be punishment on the back end, likely will be punishment on the back end, because it's not looking good right this second. But I find that rule to be probably a little outdated. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn when I say that. What do you think? I, th- I think it's pretty outdated at this point. I think a lot of people would agree with you, and you kind of brought up the premise of like money. So this was done. Uh, I was listening. I, I can't remember who was talking about this, but apparently this used to be a rule back in the 80s and 90s, so some high-profile high profile schools that had an unlimited chain of money weren't outdoing those with smaller football budgets and stuff like that. But in today's day and age, it doesn't take a, a, an insane budget to go to somewhere and film this. So if there was a change in the offseason, I wouldn't be surprised. But it's kind of like – so it's kind of like the NFL, NIL stuff, right? It's like this was a rule that you weren't supposed to get paid for, what, 100 years, basically a century – and then there's there's kids and there's schools that advocate, well, it's legal now, so we shouldn't get punished for the stuff that we used to do. Right. Well, it's I mean, again, it's it, it was, was illegal at the time, yeah. Yeah, you still broke a rule, and at the time, regardless if it's changed or not now. So if it is changed, I'm curious to see how Michigan and and other schools might react to it because again, the Wolverines are not the only ones that have done this. They've just been the most uh, published because they've been caught. <laughs> And the nature of Jim, Har- Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. It, it, am I the only one also who has questions? Like, Connor Stallions bought all these tickets by, you know, by, by the reporting I've seen in his own name. I I have questions about, like, wh- why did he do that? Right? Like, you're either a dumb criminal or you didn't feel as if you were doing anything all that insane. Like, I, that's the those are the two answers. Now, I, I could definitely put him in the dumb criminal category because I would imagine that Michigan probably knew the rule – before they broke it, and we know that Jim Harbaugh may try to stretch these rules and break the break a smaller one, um, and that's why the NCAA has been hounding him. But that that fact, the fact that we have him on SeatGeek and on StubHub buying tickets using his own credit card, I can't I can't fathom that. It just it 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 makes me ask more questions about sort of the intent and and what was being said behind closed doors and if. Connor Stallions was really thinking that this was going to be a massive deal on the back end. Well, I think that if one, you're naive if you think that this was just him and it wasn't coming from someone higher up, like say, well, of AKA, course. Uh, uh, yeah, well, just, say Jim Harbaugh, that guy. Yeah, say yeah. Jim Harbaugh. So again, <laughs> think what you will. That's that's up to you, but. I, I bet it's just like, you know how some coaches, they don't use burner phones because they think, oh, I'm never going to get caught. And then they get caught, and there's all this intel and information that's used against them. I thought Hugh Freeze taught us some lessons back in the day at Ole Miss, man. I thought I thought I people too. learned from his transgressions. I did, too. Um, evidently, this is another case where someone – and, again, this, this kind of looks like a college kid, right? It's not like he's um, – it's one of those things where he's, he's 40-something years old and – I just think that he was probably in a situation where he felt that he could get away with it to this point and didn't have to worry about 
a background. Maybe he looks a little older in college kid, but uh, at the end of the day, that's the he's got this again this track record of uh, stuff that can be used against him in the Michigan football program. And like every other investigation, it seems like either nothing or the majority is not going to be linked to the head coach, which is how these things usually go down. Yeah, um, I listen. I, I don't advocate for breaking rules or breaking the law, but I am of the opinion. If you are going to break the law or or break certain rules, do them smartly. Do it. Do it. Try yeah. to cover your tracks at least a little <laughs> bit. Like I just, I can never understand the the how dumb some of these criminals or some of these rule breakers are. It just blows my mind. And I, if you're going to cheat, make sure you win. And at least <laughs> Michigan has been doing. I mean, that's, that's that sounds bad, but. Michigan has at least been doing that the last two years. I don't know if Stallions has been. I guess what, what was since the thing? Three, last, last three years, but three after years. the COVID year when they were what two and four, when it just yeah. it's not nice, not not a good year. I guess he didn't do a good job scouting Ohio State three years ago because I'm pretty sure they got housed in that game. The last two years, they obviously won the fourth quarter and with some big time blowout uh, leads in that game. So maybe he he learned from his year one. Again, this is all speculatory on my part, and uh, maybe he improved after the first year. Yeah, and uh, I, I take it they did not go in person to check out uh, old TCU last year. That's that's my guess. I, evidently not, because that offense. Fifty-one uh, forty-five. Yeah, fifty-one points yeah. to TCU, and then TCU got absolutely beyond. I, like I don't even know if I can call the national championship last year just housed. That was just a. That was that was. I would like to report a murder, sir. And it was it was such a bummer because you had like two of the best semifinal games we've ever had, right? right? I mean, Michigan and TCU back and forth, back and forth, and the Ohio State game. If we were just talking about Marvin Harrison earlier, if he doesn't get injured and get that concussion or whatever, Ohio State wins that football game. Mm-hmm. And I, I I feel really bad for that kicker. I know fifty six is a, I think it was fifty six yards, which is decently long for college football, um, but he wasn't even close. I mean, that thing was to the left by 20 or 30 yards. So yep. I, I don't really ever feel bad for Ohio State fans, but I was kind of cheering for them in that game because I didn't want Georgia to repeat. So uh, we do have the open week for you. What are you paying most close attention to? Are, you, are we are we paying attention to the cocktail party? Is that, is that yeah, the I idea? Think I think that's the SEC game. And it's really not a great SEC weekend with Alabama and LSU being on buys, but that's the, that's the game I'm paying attention to. You've also, again, got or, – remind me – I, I'm drawing a blank, Gabe, on this Wednesday night. Who's Oregon playing again? I know it's a top 25 Utah, matchup. Utah. Utah, that's it. Yeah, and Utah coming off a big win against USC. That would be a good one. Game day is going to be there this weekend. So there, there are some intriguing games in college football, uh, but really not so much in the SEC. It's kind of a, a down week at this point in the Southeastern Conference. And by the way, I'm taking Oregon minus the points. Don't believe in Utah. I don't care if they beat USC last week. USC is not a very good team. I think we've seen that the past two weeks. Yeah, let me. Yeah. Can I ask you this on the subject yeah. of USC? As a former player, I like your thoughts. And I think it was Emmanuel at um, Acho that um, put out this week that he the, the Caleb, Caleb Williams sitting out the rest of the year. No, yeah. don't do that. Don't do that. I just think it looks it looks chicken ass. It does not look. It does. It does not make you look like a a guy that can fight through adversity. Now, do do I think it'll change his number one overall pick status? No. But I just I I'm I can't get on board with that. If you want to skip a bowl game, skip a bowl game, because I think ultimately some of those become meaningless. But the rest of the season, quitting on your guys, I don't think that's a good look. And it's also the idea of 
him wanting potential ownership in an NFL yeah, team, and then owners or GM like not really contemplating, but might maybe contemplating. They're like, but you quit on your. I, I don't know. I just wanted a player's perspective, right. and evidently that's how you you feel the exact what sound way as I do. Yes, no, I think most people do. But uh, Ty, I appreciate it, man. We'll do it again next week. Hi, Gabe. Thanks for having me, man. Yes, sir. He's Ty Richardson, ESPN Arkansas. Follow him on X at Ty Sports Radio.